Hello, everyone. Patrick Clark here, joined by Brian Friend, Be Friendly Fitness. Um, how are you feeling, Brian? Pretty good. I mean, it's always a, it's a tight turnaround, well, week one to week two, but I got some good sleep on uh, Monday night and super productive Tuesday, heading out to Pasadena Wednesday. Uh, very encouraged by week one overall and excited to do it again. Yeah, um, I did not get much sleep. I didn't get until 3 a.m. in the morning and then I had to turn around and right back to work. So I'm still catching up. But regardless, we're here. Um, we're back on the road. Like you said, you're heading out tomorrow, which will be actually today when this goes out. And I'll be going out on Thursday. But before we start looking ahead to Pasadena, let's 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 recap Orlando a little bit. How, how's that sound, Brian? Absolutely. A lot of good, a lot, you know, some confusing maybe and uh, uh, plenty to talk about. Yeah. Well, I think for me, I think one of the bigger topics are the, the athletes that aren't going to the games. Um, so let's talk. Let's start off with Brooke Wells. Um, any thoughts on Brooke Wells? Yeah, you know, it was not, I think it was not necessarily clear how bad of an injury she had from the conversations I've had. It seemed like um, you know, the foot was certainly bothering her. And I think given what I've heard and what I saw from her, that uh, she she put a really gritty performance together. I mean, you know, I think she probably could have snatched a little heavier and ran a little faster on four and five if she was fully healthy, but they were still impressive performances given the circumstances. And she had no quit in her. She showed up on Sunday, uh, put out a good performance on six. I think she managed that workout well and a really strong performance on seven. I think it made a finish third or fourth overall, even after the top heat went. And she wasn't that many points out of making it. And, you know, if you yeah. look back at the entire weekend, it seemed like that, you know, whatever happened to her in the middle of Linda or towards the end of Linda there with the bench press and the, you know, multiple failed reps in the same round at the end of the day is probably the points that, that she needed to to get through despite not being at 100%. And the fact that she was that close, even though it was, you know, a less than optimal weekend on, on maybe a couple different fronts, um, you know, is a testament, maybe not to her fitness. We know how fit she can be, but just to the, you know, the grit and the passion she has for this sport. We're almost seeing like an evolution of the type of athlete she is. I mean, yeah, she didn't make the games, but like you said, you pointed out, you know, the grit, the performance, her coming back. Uh, seems like the last couple of years, especially in the semifinals, that's kind of been her calling card, just like, you know, down and just coming back. And, you know, last year, obviously, she had to come back to punch her ticket, almost didn't make the games. And this year, I mean, her, that, that final day, she 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 gave a crack at it. Um, and another I mean, athlete. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's the nature of this season. You know, when you yeah. have one weekend to get to the games, there's nothing guaranteed. And we... You know, we had a chance to hear Noah Olson speak about that. He's yeah. been doing this for over a decade, and now he has qualified for 10 straight CrossFit games. But he said, you know, I, I came in here, and even throughout the weekend, I was as nervous as I've ever been, and I could feel the Ooh. tension and the anxiety. And, you know, this is uh, it's not a, it's not an easy sport. No one's got a guaranteed spot. No matter what you've done in the past, everyone has to show up and earn it. Yeah. Another athlete, and unfortunately coming from the Proving Camp, that then was that that didn't even get the finisher weekend was Saxon Pancheck. Um, your thoughts on Saxon? Yeah, I mean, we, we've we seen Saxon be, be great at this stage of competition and have some extremely high-level performances at the games, both in individual tests and obviously, you know, finishing sixth a couple of years ago there. Um, it's a bummer any time that there's an athlete like that that's not able to compete at 100%. And, uh, you yeah. know, obviously it was uh, 
even worse than Brooke to the point where he had to, you know, withdraw from the competition halfway through, or maybe even less than halfway through. And, um, you know, I, I guess what we've learned in recent years is you can take a year off and still come back and be relevant in this sport. And sometimes, sometimes that actually works out for the best. So I think that if I was, you know, if I was talking to Saxon, I would say, you know, take the time with your family, let the foot recover. Um, and, and it's okay to have like a couple light months, maybe, you know, you know, work with your brother if you can help him try to, you know, have a great performance at the games. Both his brothers, I think will be going, you know, Scott in the master's division and, and be supportive in that regard. Same thing for Brooke, obviously Sydney's made it and, um, you know, you can, you can still be an asset in their corner. And then when you get back into the training next year, maybe it's a, maybe it's nice for the body to have a little time off. You know, Saxon competes hard many times a year. He's usually top 20, which means he gets to go to Rogue. You know, he, he, he may not go this year. Maybe he'll have to go through the online qualifier. But a couple months outside of competition and then getting back into the swing of it, you know, when the season picks up next year. And maybe it, maybe we end up seeing a return to the form that he was a couple of years ago as a result of it. You know, sometimes the dark, you know, the night is darkest before the dawn. So maybe this <laughs> is just a rough patch for him. And it's sure it's hard right now, but he's still young enough to come back and be great once again. Yeah, I no doubt that's going to happen. You brought up Sydney. Um, we have, I believe on the women's side, uh, three, three potential games rookies, um, with Caroline Stanley, uh, um, Shelby, Neal. Sydney and Shelby Neal. So, I mean, which, which one of their performances kind of stood out to you? Uh, you know, I think that if you'd asked me before the weekend, which one of these three do I think is most likely to make it? I probably would have picked Shelby. I know she's, yeah. she's a little bit uh, lesser known. Obviously, Sydney's well known because of her sister, um, and we've seen Sydney have great performances in the past, and we know very much so that there are some, you know, have been some limitations that just basically precluded her from having a chance, and uh, and she still has some holes in her game. Um, I would probably, honestly, I probably would say Sydney Wells. I mean, Caroline Stanley and 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 uh, Shelby Neal have been battling in this sport for a little longer and have maybe been knocking on the door. Sydney's made made big strides every year, and while she still clearly has some things to work with, I mean, she had two bottom half finishes and one that was basically a last place finish. Um, but she has that home run potential, and when you think about um, you know being able to balance out some bad performances and still fight your way through a you know a fairly competitive field to get to the games, uh, I was uh, I knew she could be close, but I didn't you know seventh place finish is is great. You know, she's kind Pretty of you know, not in the points aspect, but in terms of the placement, she was well within the cut line there, and. Very, you know, very impressed with her, and the, you know, the games will 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 give her challenges. Like there'll be workouts that'll be super tough for her, but there'll also be workouts that she'll be able to fight and put up some top scores from her, some early heats that might might still hold up. I'm actually really curious to see how her Test five score of 309 ends up faring yeah, if all the semifinals are said and done. I think it, if it's not the best score in the world, it, it could still potentially be a top three after everyone gets a chance to to get after it. Yeah, I think a, one of the cool facts that came out of those. Uh, out of those three athletes is up, you know, Caroline and Sydney, both being former collegiate athletes at a high level, Sydney being a, a, an 800, 400 meter runner at the university of Missouri. And then Caroline played division one softball. So I thought that was kind of a cool thing. And then Shelby's an athlete, you know, on her own. Um, she was someone that actually went through like the Marine ROTC program. So I think some of that might've helped them along the way, um, in terms of their athletic ability. Um, well, oh, ab- absolutely, and you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, I remember talking to Pat Vellner at, at Wadapalooza. They had a, you know, jumping and running workout basically, and he and Bukowski did great on it. And I asked him afterwards, and he's like, "Well, we played sports. 
we're athletes, we're athletic. And a lot of these guys are out here, they're younger than us, but they don't have that athletic background. And so to see a few women who, you know, pursued a sport through throughout their college years and then parlayed their athletic ability into, you know, training for CrossFit for a couple of seasons and make the games, you know, speaks to the value of doing that. And, we, you know, uh, I talked about it earlier this year that, you know, one of the top teenage athletes in the male side right now, Ty Jenkins, also plays mm-hmm. through sports in high school. And I love that. And I, I think that more up-and-coming uh, CrossFitters can gain a lot by continuing to participate in the sports outside of the gym and actually probably make them better at CrossFit in the long run, too. You know who would agree with that, right? Well, I think a lot of people would. Well, I mean, uh, a Mr. Rich Froney would definitely agree with that. I think he actually told us that when we were down at Cookville for the athlete camp. Yeah, and and Ben Bergeron made a video years and years ago, the 2030 Games champion. You can look it up on YouTube, and he says, yeah. I'll introduce them to CrossFit, but I still want them playing sports throughout their teenage years. Yeah. Um, let's transition over to the men's side. Uh, we uh, Once again, we have, we're have we having three men, rookies, that are going to, you know, they're going to make their debut at the games. Uh, which one of the three men uh, that are punch, that punch your ticket mass and are you, uh, are you most look, most impressive over the weekend? Now this, I mean, this is a tough call. So they are Luke Parker, James Sprague, and Jack Farlow. And I, I and I, quite honestly, all three of them surprised me in their own regard. Mm-hmm. I would say in totality, uh, Luke Parker outperformed yeah. what I expected from him by a long shot. And that's just based on what I've seen in live competition from him before. But, you know, I think Luke's one of those guys that um, when the skills go up, when the weights go up, and when the, and he's a decent runner, you know, that that the the high level programming that Adrian has started to introduce at the earlier parts of this of the season is, is beneficial for him. And that's you know, that showed this weekend. You still have to go out there and do it though. And I know that um, you know, no matter who you are, when you haven't had the performances that you've wanted in the past, there's always that doubt in the mind. So, you know, Luke impressed me from beginning to end. James Sprague and Jack Farlow are a little bit different because we know that they're elite at certain things. Right. But could they offset those things when the when the challenge was high? I mean um, the snatch was a big concern for me for Sprague. And he, I don't think he hit the number he wanted to hit. I think he was hoping a PR, actually. But 265, when your lifetime best is 272, is pretty damn impressive in that environment. And it and it kept him relevant. And then in the test six, you know, he spoke about it after the fact that he was really nervous for that workout in particular. And he was in a heat with some guys who absolutely smashed that. But he didn't get caught up in their own race. And you absolutely cannot do that in the, in that workout. He managed himself through the gymnastics. And he needed that 24th place finish, even though it looks like a 24th isn't that great for him. That was really high level of execution. And I think um, Jack very similarly, you know, he's, you know, I think training with Emma has been a big plus for him and he's rounded out his game compared to what we saw at Rogue where he had some, you know, a couple highs with a bunch of lows. And this was a little bit more steady performance. Uh, None of them really like on, 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 um, and the last workout, they were just like steady as she goes and took care of business. And uh, I'm excited for all three of them. Yeah, which one of those three do you think might have the biggest impact at the games? The big setback, the biggest impact. Oh, the biggest impact. Yeah, I mean, I think that in particular events, you'll see each one of them, you know, mm-hmm. have have a top ten finish here or there. Uh, overall, I'm really I like, I'm really curious about Parker. You know, if yeah. if if it's true that the higher the skill, the higher the weight, and the and the more running there is, and I you know I think he's a decent swimmer too, and he does yes. have experience at the games on the team division. You know, his fifth place there last year with Independence seen a lot of people go to the games on a team have some you know level of success there and then transition and be able to make it to an individual games when they haven't in the past so uh, I wouldn't have said that you know probably prior to this weekend but having watched him and, and reflected on it a little bit I think that 
um, Luke Parker's got my attention in terms of maybe making a, a big impact in the overall scheme of things once everything's said and done in Madison. Yeah. We talked about the women, the men. Let's talk about the teams now. Um, there's, I'm sure there's a bunch of storylines there, but which ones kind of stood out from this past weekend from the team race? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I've I've spoken a little bit about the the grit house, and that I think they're, they'll be better when the games come around. I feel the same way about um, the Mayhem Independence team and Krypton. You know, and when you have kind of newer formed teams like those that still have a lot of uh, like they're they're new as a team, but they're not new to CrossFit. All those athletes yeah. have a lot of experience. That think that the higher level at the games that demands more teamwork, demands more attention to detail, um, will bode well for them. But just like to talk about some teams that maybe haven't gotten as much attention. And I was pretty high on the um, the training think tank team coming in, and they didn't necessarily live up to the expectations I thought relative to this field. I thought they might be in the 5-6 range. I think they finished uh, about 8th. But those mm-hmm. teams always do well. And, uh, and yeah. in terms of like the high level of coaching for teams in this sport, I think training think tank can throw their name in the ring with the Invictuses and the Oslos. Maybe they don't have the three and four teams competing there. They did have <laughs> two. But they get the most out of their teams, and I think yeah. that uh, they deserve some credit for that. Uh, I was really surprised by Move Fast, Lift Heavy. I mean, obviously, um, they they came in, and at one point they were going toe to toe with um, with with Proven. Uh, I think they had three runner up finishes in the first three events. Uh, really impressed with them. I'm, I'm really interested to see what they do um, at the games. Um, any thoughts on that? Absolutely. You know, I would have. I would have uh, said that it was unlikely that they'd make the top 10 before the weekend based on what I saw at the crash crescendo the month previous. But after watching them this weekend, I think they, I mean, the team competition globally is very, very tough. There are, you know, 10 to 15 teams that are pretty, pretty good. And I think that especially when we get to Europe, we'll see some new teams over there that are going to be contenders. But Mufas Lefebvre's in the conversation for a top 10 games finish, absolutely, after what we just saw. I think, Actually, the biggest story coming out of the team division was that other Mayhem team. Let's talk about the other Mayhem team, and how do you think they will do at the games? Yeah, they were kind of, you know, definitely off the radar last year prior to semifinals. And and yeah. they did make it to the games, but every workout when they went out there, I was like, well, come on, eventually they're going to fall off. Eventually they're going to fall off. Sure. They didn't. And they had a mid-tier finish at the games. I think they were 23rd, which is okay. Um, yeah. And they brought back the same roster. And, you know, the experience does play in the team competition. It's always kind of the debate. If you rather have a new team of talented individuals or you rather have a solid team of people who know each other, understand each other, and can pick each other up when they need to. Because that's, you know, there's always going to be an element of that. You know, they, I I didn't even have them really close to a qualifying spot and they mm-hmm. finish on the podium. So, you know, relative to expectation, I'd say they had the best weekend of any team, you know, for me personally, uh, and I'll you know I'll be curious to see if how much if any they can improve on that twenty third place from last year. But you know based on what we saw, I think there's no reason not to think that they will improve their finish relative to the field at the games this year. Well, hopefully they bring that crowd with them to Madison. They were you know they were definitely feeding off that crowd, and uh, it was quite a sight to see. I mean a lot of pride in their gym, their affiliate, and proud of being a Mayhem team representing their community. So that was pretty. Pretty impressive. Um, so let's like transition a little bit. Let's do a little bit of previewing, you know, just your, your thoughts heading into the West. What are you looking for in general heading into the West, uh, into the West semifinal? 
Yeah, I think that the, the two fields, the men's and women's fields, are, are, are a little bit different here, where you got mm-hmm. a really top-heavy men's field. And I think there's you know a dozen men that I'm excited to watch compete and some really specific workouts that I think guys can can really knock some out of the park on. But I think I'm I'm kind of of any athlete of all the athletes in the field. I'm really curious about Brent Fikowski and Sam Kwan. But you know, Fikowski did not have the season that he wanted last year, and he's get, he's thrown into a semifinal with Pat Vellner, who he's never competed at semifinal regional uh, competition before, and Jeff mm-hmm. Medeiros, the two-time champ. So he's got the you know. Arguably, the the you know the two guys that he'd want to be measuring himself against right here in a semifinal. So I you know there's like test one for example is something he's going to be great at regardless. But I want to see how he holds his own against some of the best in the world on some of these other tests that might not be perfect for him. He's the master of of maximizing his potential in those things. So I'm gonna be watching. And then Sam Quant had an up and down career, you know, and, yeah. and he had obviously a great season last year, but he's really yet to string together two great seasons in a row. So sure. there's you know no uh, no reason on paper that he shouldn't be in contention for a podium spot here and solid across all the tests like he was last year at the Granite Games. But um, you know he's got to he's got to prove to us still that he can do it year in and year out. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, I think it's probably nice if we kind of recap this. Uh, we is recapping the Africa semifinal and your thoughts coming out of Africa. Yeah, right. You know, there were uh, two semifinals last week. There'll be three this week, and they don't get maybe the, as much attention because they don't have as many spots, and there's, you know, a little different quality of live stream. And we live in a part of the world where sometimes they're competing while we're sleeping. But, um, the you know, I'd say two of the three favorites won over there. You know, it was tight on the women's side, and, and honestly, there were a couple of women there that com- came a little bit out of nowhere in Gilmore yeah. and Mariska. And, and made it really tight. You know, Christina was in it, and then Michelle ends up winning. Um, and, and you know, the Mayhem team, they looked, you know, pretty solid re- against their competition. I think the story is really Jason Smith. You know, he's yeah. 39 years old. He wasn't even the top 50 in his master's division, but he's still, he's still, you know, I know he didn't win last year, but he's still holding the yeah. mantle uh, once again in Africa. And I think it's, you know, fair to say he'll be the oldest guy in the games field once again. And he's, you know, he's pushing, pushing the barrier there in terms of what's possible on the men's side. I'll be, I'm curious to see how he does at the games. You know, he's had some success yeah. there in the past. And even though, you know, Africa is perceived to not be very strong and a majority of the athletes that they send to the games don't do that well against the the global games field. You know, he has been 10th. He's been 27th, I think, when he was there two years yeah. ago. And I'm curious to see if he can, you know, I think even if he's able to crack the top 30, you know, we don't know what the cut situation, if any, will be. But if you, if he avoids finishing in the bottom 10 at 39 years old, I mean, that would be, I think, as impressive as any performance we'll see at the game. So well, hope, hopefully he shows up strong and um, yeah, congratulations to him. I mean, it's hell of an, an accomplishment. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Uh, I know CrossFit, CrossFit, they're making some changes from, I guess, lessons learned from week one carrying over a week, week two. Uh, can you, do you know any information that, or have any information you could you want to share regarding that? Yes. You know, some, I don't know necessarily all the details, but it's kind of gotten out at this point that they're reconfiguring the fields of play. So the, sure. the all, I think all of the action will be in the same arena, but the, the actual field of play might look a little different event to event. Um, I'm not sure, entirely sure of all the reasons why they've made that change, but I think it might be to accommodate the people on site who want to see because at the, you know, in Orlando, they had that upstairs balcony where you could still line the windows and get some view down. But other than that, there wasn't as much seating on the secondary as the first field of play. 
So maybe it's just to make sure everyone on site can can get in there and, and see the live action, which is you know, a great change if they do that. And then, you know, as far as the um, the events that aren't being streamed, I think that there's the intent to try to do something very similar to what we were able to do last week in terms of the CrossFit Games podcast. And it's yeah. not the same quality of coverage, but it's, it is coverage where you can coverage. follow along and, and have some, um, you know, recognizable names and faces share with the population or the community at home of, of what's going on for test one and three for the individuals and test three for the teams. Well, I certainly can't wait. Um, the crowds, they came back. It was a it was a nearly packed house in Orlando. I'm expecting the same in Pasadena. But uh, Ryan, once again, nice shirt. This time we're not matching. <laughs> I was I was I put it on and I was like, I bet he's wearing the blue. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm actually wearing our semifinal shirts, which are now available on our uh, website. So. Go ahead, go to the online store as well and see our newest drop from the semifinal collection. We also have the core collection on there as well. Click on the link in our bio to check it out. Also, if you want to keep on continuing seeing videos like this with me and Brian, uh, you know, and support future projects, uh, please consider coming to Patreon on our exclusive, exclusive Patreon page. That link is also in our bio. And as always, like, follow, subscribe to get alerts on all new videos on this channel. Um, Brian, you have anything to say to the, uh, get us out of here? Uh, just if you're on the road and you see us at semifinals, you know, don't hesitate to stop us and say hi. Um, we love the support. We love to interact with you guys. So appreciate everything you've done already. And um, looking forward to maybe meeting some of you guys in California. Yeah. Oh, we will have uh, merch. We will we'll have a setup at, in Orlando, or I'm sorry, not Orlando, in Pasadena. Uh, just look for us at the RX Smart Gear booth right when you walk in. Uh, look for the Sherpa Works area, the OG tent, and we'll have some merch there um, for sale. So as always, be friendly, our friends.